Hey listeners, welcome to Adventures in Parenting. I'm Jesse, And I'm Erin. We are back in Studio E at the Patchogue Medford Library with financial advisor Jonathan Green, who's with Allied Wealth Partners. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. This is part two of our Families and Finances series, Setting Up Your Children's Financial Futures. So if you haven't listened to part one, I would encourage that you go back and do that. That episode is all about teaching your children about money and how to get them on board with saving and setting their own financial goals. And this episode is going to be about setting up your children's financial success for the future. So where should parents start, Jonathan, when considering their child's financial future? Well, there's a lot of things that they can consider to start. Obviously, the most important thing is to start, right? So a lot of us will procrastinate sometimes as far as doing the things that we need to do in order to set up our children for success. So yeah, there's a lot of different things. Simply just setting up a bank account for them, because ultimately when they're born, they're going to get gifts and you need a place to put that. No commingle it. Uh, try not to commingle it with your own savings or mm-hmm. own, so own like operating a account. plain old savings account. Just a plain old savings account. Sometimes they have higher interest yielding, but banks have different products for kids that will usually are like fast track, high interest types of savings accounts. You can open up investment accounts. You can open up all different types of things. You're going to want to start opening up 529 plans, mm. possibly for college savings. So there's there's a lot of different things that you can do. Ultimately, you can speak to a bank representative, you speak to a financial advisor, speak to somebody who's done it before, and they'll help you get those things set up that you need to do. What about savings bonds? Are those still a thing? They are still a thing. In the last 15 years when interest rates were very low, they were really not a thing. But as interest rates started peaking up this year, they became a lot more attractive. You know, I think they were somewhere around 9% you could get on savings bonds. So they're sure things. You can buy them straight from the U.S. Treasury. You can't yeah. buy them at your local bank anymore. But uh, yeah, there's there's still a, an asset class, if you would. I have a bunch. Like from when I was yeah, a kid, sure, they no, were like the thing. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably stopped accruing interest at this point. But, <laughs> they did. But yeah, no, they used to be a very sure thing. And they were, they still are a sure thing. But for many years, there were very low interest rates. So there were better opportunities to save or put money elsewhere. Otherwise. So. so college is very overwhelming to think about, especially when you're sure. in, you have a baby or mm-hmm. a young child. It mm-hmm. seems like it's very far away. Mm-hmm. But how do we focus on college? Is it enough to just focus on college? And what if they don't want to go to college right. by the time yeah. they get there? Yeah, well, I mean, these are a lot of crystal ball type questions, right? right. We don't know. So the best thing I could say is to diversify. Mm-hmm. You know, where your savings are going. If you are a firm believer in the college experience for your kids, then stick with your 529 plan. You're going to get probably the most bang for your buck there. 529 plans have great tax incentives. They have great investment choices. And ultimately, it's going to be the best source of payment (laughs) for you in the future. Being that you have such a long time away from when a child is born to to pay for college, you're going to want that exposed to markets and and overall, you're going to get your best return on your on your money there. Where do you sign up for a 529? Like through what? Great question. So there's actually um, two different types that, and again, this is because of the tax incentives, you want to make sure that your state authorizes a specific plan okay. uh, in order to get that state tax deduction. Um, so New York has two types of plans. One is the advisor guided plan, mm-hmm. which is in partner with JP Morgan. And then there's also the direct plan, New York, the 529 New York direct plan, which is a Vanguard plan, which is very easy to do. You can log online and fill on an application and just like that you're 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 in you're in the advisor guided plan is something that you'd have to set up through a financial advisor so there's a little bit more active management there different fees structures and stuff like that okay and then so what happens if you set up this 529 you're holding your brand new baby and you're so excited for their future and then they decide i don't want to go to college i want a groomed dog so there is some no flexi- shame. <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey 
if you're the best dog right. groomer in the world, then you'll be making plenty, and you don't need college. The, but the celebrity uh, groomer. Right. <laughs> Ultimately, the, the 529 plan does have some flexibility. Um, you can change the beneficiary. So if you have multiple children, nieces or nephews, you would be able to change the beneficiary, and you'd still use that money for someone else hmm. if you wanted to gift it to them, that is. Otherwise, it can be used for other higher education costs, too. So oh. it's not just college, too. It okay. can be for private school oh. um, or other types of, of education as well. Certificate in dog grooming. Perhaps. <laughs> I don't know if that's considered higher education, but we'll have to see. Not yet. Um, not yet, right. But maybe a master's in dog grooming, maybe that'll, that'll do it. So it only has to be applied to some education. form of education? So a 529 plan does have that restriction in order to have the tax incentives, right? Because when you're going to spend it for higher education costs, it will come out tax-free. So if it's not spent for higher education costs, since you got that state tax deduction, they're going to tax you on that sure. on the way out. So yeah. So if it's not used for education, then you're going to have to pay some back taxes. Correct. That. That's correct. Okay. Are there other similar options aside from a 529? What if you don't want to commit your yeah. child to <laughs> education in the future? Well, yeah. If you don't want to commit your child to education or just you want to have or, or just, yeah. well, just or, or you just want to have flexibility in how that money is yeah. spent, then there, are, there right. are other accounts that you can open up to have the same type of investment accounts. There are UTMA accounts. There are UGMA accounts. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Yep. Please explain what those are. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> so them so casually. An UTMA account is a unified transfer to minors act a type of account where you and the minor child are custodian, your custodianship for their owning the account. Uh, and essentially, it's a transfer of money to the child's name that effectively is in the state of New York. You can choose... 18 or the age of 21, where that account automatically will be in their ownership, in the kid's ownership. So you're actually just transferring that money mm -hmm. to a future date where they own that money. Are you able to, sorry to interrupt, nope. to adjust that age or to hold on to ownership? It's usually on account, own, no, on, a, on account opening, you would designate which age you want that to happen. Okay, because their um, brains are not fully formed until 25, so I don't know <laughs> if I really want to be like, well, here's $30,000, well, child. Unfortunately, that is one of the risks. You can always change the account to mm -hmm. a straight joint account, uh, in which case then you are co-owners at that point mm -hmm. and able to more effectively directly manage, manage or at least the access to it. And then, yeah, and, and that, that would be maybe the more effective thing to do as they get older, if you depending on how much you trust them with their financial right. sense. Listen to part one. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll feel better about trusting right. them. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So that's UTMA. So what that's is UGMA? UGMA? So UGMA is, is Unified Gifting to Minors Act. So it's really just different of different types of apples basically it's it's the same thing it just happens to be under two different legislative laws is it about like who signs up for the account because um no it can be anybody it can be anybody it can be a grandparent it can be a parent it could be anybody nice okay this is so sad i hope my family never listens to this but my oldest <laughs> has all the things so we had set up for her like um life insurance like a life okay. insurance savings um my youngest doesn't have one how messed up is that <laughs> Anyway, we're working on it. But so can you talk a little bit about those life insurance, disability insurance, all of those other so avenues? In, in, yeah. So, I mean, as a parent, disability insurance is very, is very important and life insurance is very important. I don't typically recommend a life insurance policy unless all the other things are also are set up. up. Life insurance policy is very long-term savings. Okay. So that's something like maybe like that'll supplement their retirement. You know, you're talking about 65 years in the future, you know, and the death benefit there is really not for anything you hope you, you need. Right. So yes. you're buying something that's really made for savings, but has high, sometimes higher costs based on the insurance need. Right. Mm. The only other real benefit to owning insurance for, for a child is that it guarantees future insurability. Mm. So, you know, it, just in case there's a reason that they would be uninsured in the future, at least they have something now. 
So, so to me, those are the really two real guiding concepts behind that. They are good policies, but again, it's very long-term focused. And again, it's that, it's that consistency that you have to be able to be willing to put away that money for a long time. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good thing, but I don't necessarily think it's like the cornerstone. Of, necessary. Of, yeah. yeah. Who oh, should consider that, though? Is that something that everyone should consider? Um, no, that's a great question. You know, I, it's, it, it might not be for everyone. It depends on where you, as a parent, fall on your budget and what kind of excessive savings you have. So I think that those costs all have to still fit in line with what you're budgeting towards. You know, again, listen to part one, right? So like if you're budgeting for all these different expenses, that should be part of it. You know, that to me is, and you have to list it out. Is this a want or a need? Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me as an advisor, some if I were advising a couple saying, said to me that I want this yeah. for, my, for my child, that's fine. It is a want. It's not a need. Okay. So cool. So maybe now none of my children will have it instead of just both of them because <laughs> we were going to get another one for. Well, I've you know, I've one, I've but... dealt with that before in the past with with existing clients of mine where yeah. they run that exact same scenario. Yeah. And they did it for child one, did it for child two, child three. Nothing. Is the forgotten child anyway, and they you know didn't <laughs> didn't get that going, and then like at 15 years old, it's like I got to catch up. Like I like they yeah. have X amount in their accounts. I got to catch up, and guess what? It costs that much more to try and catch up. Yeah. So it all depends, right? So at that point, was it the right thing to do? I don't know, but you have to make that decision. What happens if you cancel it or you just close it out? So at a certain point on a life insurance policy, depending on what type it is, sometimes there are surrender charges. Mm. So sometimes the cash value will be deducted a little bit from whatever the surrender charge would be. But other policies, nothing would happen if there's cash value in it. You surrender the policy and you, you, get, the you get the money back. Interesting. Okay. Thank you for that. No problem. That uh, pertains to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> never know who else. <laughs> Could you turn it into something else to like the five two nine? Like, can you shuffle that money around? Um, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. You can use that money for anything else. Really. It, Once it's, you get it out, it's, it's your money. To yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's completely tangible money at that point. You can use it however you'd like. Hmm. I don't know why I've always been so frightened of this stuff. Like, it's I just I too. start reading about it and then I get overwhelmed and I'm like, ah, oh, look at it later. <laughs> like, same. Really, like it. it causes my eyes to like glaze over but it's so important but it's also so easy to ignore which is unbelievable very easy to ignore yeah. when you, especially when you think about what the actual cost of some of these things are or, or how much you know $100 a month would mean over 18 years of savings for college like right. it's daunting because the end result is such a huge number and you don't know how you're going to reach it Right. but ultimately anything you do to mitigate the difference between what you save and what that number will be will be helpful so I think it's just it's again the the hardest thing to do in some of these things is starting. Right. Especially I find it too, so full disclosure listeners, I have met Jonathan before he did a workshop here at the library <laughs> and we had talked about how college is just so expensive. It can even feel like a futile effort to even have a college mm-hmm. savings because you're only going to pay for an eighth. But, you know, you made a good point that that eighth is one eighth less than they're going to have to pay on the back end. So, right. It's kind of like you got to just slug through and do it. You got to suck it up. Yeah. You got to suck it up and, and just do it. Do these plans really affect like how much your kid would be able to borrow? Uh, it, oh, it's a great question. Money. So in certain aspects, yes. So not the 529 plans, okay? Because those are owned and the child is the beneficiary. So it's owned by an adult and the children is, child is just a beneficiary. But generally speaking, if you have an UTMA or an UGMA account, the other accounts that I just mentioned, those technically, although you are the custodian of the account, they are technically owned by the child and viewed as the child's assets. Oh. So sometimes that could be viewed on negatively yeah. as money that they could use for college, in which case then they might not get as much in financial aid or, mm. or student aid. Wow. 
So again, that's why I said it's, it's a mix. Mm-hmm. It's a mix. You want to kind of diversify sometimes as to how you are yeah. saving. What about things like trusts? Oh, I always I hear the word trust and I'm like, well, I'm not rich, so I don't need to know uh, anything about trust. You don't have to be rich to need a trust. A trust is essentially a legal document that basically just explains how you want your money to be spent when you're no longer here. Isn't that a will? It's in part of the will. So okay. so a will is something that once you pass away, there's something that's called forming a trust in testate, where, where basically a trust is formed inside the will. There's a lot of different aspects, and we could probably have our own session on just trusts and, and things like that. Yeah. Basically, a trust is an instrument used to, to basically say, I want to gift X amount of dollars into the trust. Mm-hmm. It does two things. It removes money from my estate. And then also it tells, it basically, I then, as the grantor of the trust, say to my, say how I want my kids to do that. So if I have a, I a, a, a kid who's, who's really not financially uh, savvy mm-hmm. or has good financial sense, I want to make sure I have a trust for that child because I want to, I still want to control I see. How, how that money's spent. Okay. So like, or the when w- they get that money or how much of it they get. So like the will would read like, you know, split it equally between my two children, but this one's going to have a trust and they can't get it till 25. Well, there might be certain par- other parameters, right, right that, hmm. that sets one child that's different from the other. Oh, man. Then, then you're dead, and they're like, I always knew that they loved you more. You got yeah. your money right away. <laughs> right, but in, in hindsight, too, it's gonna it's it's for their benefit, right? So yeah. ultimately, that's where the instrument of a trust comes into play. I think that this segues nicely into another thing that you had mentioned when, at the workshop you did here about how we as parents oftentimes can pour so much of our energy and money and time into our our children that we can neglect our own futures mm-hmm. so what we're doing there is we're not actually helping our children so if we are not set up with a will if we're not set up with a retirement fund then they're going to pay for those consequences in the long run anyways mm-hmm. do you want to get into how we should be taking care of ourselves and yeah, how well, that benefits our children well i always say well, well yeah so when you're making a budget about how you are saving or how you are spending you have to focus on yourself first mm-hmm. but the truth is is that you yourself need also and in some ways you have to be a little bit still selfish about that right so you know having retirement goals as far as retirement savings having that in place is important in the long run not only for your kids but also for your own peace of mind right that's for you your kids expenses no matter how large they may be they have time on their side they have time to pay that down you have time to help them pay those things down so if you find yourself in a very fortunate position in retirement they have student loans well guess what mom and dad we're still in good shape financially we're going to help pay down your student loan right so there's there's a lot of aspects to that you can finance college you can't finance retirement right to me that's always been a a very flexible way of looking at college you can plan you can you can do that and that's great there's certain people who who are dead set on paying for their kids college i think you kind of have to make it a hybrid you can do what you can do you know ultimately your kids are going to determine what colleges they're going to go to Mm -hmm. and the colleges are going to determine what that costs so if you if if one child decides to go to the suny school that's going to be fourteen to eighteen thousand dollars a year versus the private school that's eighty thousand dollars a year. There's a difference there, and whatever you can do to help either one will make a, a significant difference. When you said that, like that really shifted my perspective and allowed me to think about myself and my future as a priority. Mm-hmm. Because wouldn't it be nice if I was retired? And I was able to help my kids out instead of struggling in retirement and being like, well, I only get, I mean, I don't want to be negative, but who knows what's going to happen with Social Security. So, like, if I'm only no, getting a, certain things. It's a very valid point. And, and you don't want to have to 
try and then depend on the success of your children either. Right. So, no you know, which is, which is really unknown at this point, right? So I think the other aspect to retirement planning is also long-term care because if you're not spending any money in long-term care premium to pay for insurance, then basically your entire retirement nest egg is up for grabs, right? Or it has to be used to spend for a long-term care potential situation. So to me, they kind of go hand in hand. If right. you're not, if you're saving for retirement, you also, you also should look into long-term care. Huh. And that's also beneficial for your kids. Yeah, right. Too. I mean, mm-hmm. so we I, I have many, many people that we speak to where the kids pay the premium on the long-term care because they don't want to be held responsible or they don't want to necessarily change their lifestyle to take care of a parent now. So, yeah. yeah. You know, and I think we're, we're, I don't know how old you are, Jonathan, you don't have to say, but I know um, for myself and for Aaron, we're like the sandwich generation. Sure. Mm-hmm. I can only see that continuing. So that really just means that we have very like elderly parents and little kids at the same time. So taking both it's, on and working full time mm-hmm. is a lot. Like it's I don't gonna want to do that to my kids. It's going to continue to happen because yeah. we're living longer. We're having more active lifestyles. So in many cases too, when we retire way back when, when you retired, you expected that your expenses would come way down because right. you weren't doing anything. Right. Today, that's very different. Yeah. Very different. You're traveling a lot more and things cost a lot more. Mm-hmm. People are staying in their homes longer and just all of those basic necessities that you need taken out way longer. And then you're going to have your own kids and and that's just going to happen. So the sandwich generation is going to continue. What if you're somebody who has no retirement? You're like, it's something that you just kept saying, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Or your job doesn't offer anything. For those people, where is a good place to start? Yeah. So, well, if your job does offer something, then you should participate. To Mm -hmm. me, that is a very tax-friendly type of investment savings to use for yourself, especially if there's any kind of match that they're giving. That's just free money for your contribution. If you don't have an employer-sponsored plan at work, then you can be still be doing something on your own. You can open up an individual retirement account or an IRA, and you do have the ability to save towards a future future retirement. How much should you be budgeting for something like that? Is there like a golden area that you should kind of strive for Each, in terms of yeah. like monthly? I mean, there's retirement. a lot of different, there's a lot of different rules about what percent of your income should be relegated towards savings in general. But ultimately, it's one of those things you have to really look at your budget mm. to see what is going to work for you. Right. And, and if you want to enhance that, you know, normally people in their 30s, early 40s, what do we have? We have young kids. We can't put all of our assets or all of our savings into retirement. So you see a shift happen usually. Usually, if by the time we're in our 50s, maybe early 60s, you see a, a catch up, right? Yeah. You see, okay, all of our expenses now for our kids Panic are done. Phase. Right, yeah. right. And, and, you yeah. See, and you see people shift and maxing out retirement plans instead. You know, the $18,000 a year that I was using to pay for my kids' college, now I'm shifting that into my retirement savings. You, you kind of don't want to do that. You want to be consistent across the board because you've missed a lot of time and a lot of investment return that you really just want to be consistent. So how much? It's it's really what you can tolerate. And right. you want to really do as much as you possibly can. Yeah, so doing doing um, something is better than doing Oh, absolutely. Nothing. Right. Absolutely. Just do something. Do something. Absolutely. And especially if you do have an employer plan, at least get that match. You know, if you can get that match, that's free money. If you're lucky enough, sometimes you don't even have to contribute and there's oh. going to be some sort of match in an employer plan. But if you can do anything yourself, it's just going to help you exponentially down. 
down the road. You hear that, parents? You got to put your mask on first. You got to help yourself so you yeah, can help your kids. That's exactly right. It's not like just a given anymore that you just get a job and it'll have a retirement and it'll have this and that. Nothing's and a given anymore. Yeah. No, but the the idea of like a pension and that oh the company will provide for me. Yeah. That mentality is shifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Greatly, and the number of self-employed or business owners or self-employed uh, entrepreneurs that are out there that aren't that can't rely on these employer-sponsored plans are greater than ever. Hmm. So they have to do something like an individual and IRA. They can do other things like a SEP IRA or a simple IRA. There's a lots or a solo 401k. There's a lot of different types of accounts that they can they can do. Yeah. And to that point, they don't know they exist. Right. So, you know, that's why I'm Where's a, a good place myself, to go? A financial advisor. Is there like an, a recommended resource that you can say, like, this is a great um, place to read up about these different products and then meet with a financial advisor to kind of There's a go lot of depth. publications. I, I think it would be probably better to put them in the resource area. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of publications that are geared towards your layman type of investor to get started. But there, yes, there definitely are a few. And of course, you know, if you're curious about this type of product, Google it. It'll, it'll, it'll give you the best, yeah. you know an idea at least as far as what the product is. So aside from resources, which will be on the resource guide, how, what are some other tips that can help parents budget and save for themselves and their household and for their child's future? Because I really think it is a tough sell to just say like, let's just invest in ourselves. Like I don't, we're not even going to do that in my house as much as I'm like, we got to look out for us. Like I know we're going to still want to save for the kids. Yeah. So what's a great way to start doing that? Well, it's a balancing act. Is Sometimes it's understanding you can't do it all yourself, right? So that ability to ask for help, and where do you ask for help? There's lots of different places. There's independent financial advisors. There are, you know, banking institutions that have bank representatives or financial advisors through banks. These types of individuals, where do you go when, you're, when your faucet leaks? You go to a plumber. Right. Right. Or you try and fix it yourself, and you make it worse, and then you go find the plumber, right. and they have to fix a bigger job, and it's going to cost you more. So start early with these types of people who are professionals. And what somebody, how do you know if somebody's reputable? It's a very overwhelming and very personal thing to yeah. kind of go to somebody, yeah. you know, exposing your finances. Right. Absolutely. You know, and then trusting who, a stranger with them. Right. Yeah. It yeah. is. It is. In, in, in a lot of those situations, you have to find someone that you build rapport with. Referrals are always best. So talk to your friends. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to your family. Um, who do they use? Right. I mean, in many ways, you know, we all have, we have parents. Do they you have an advisor? Right. Or, or someone that they trust. And I think it's getting to know some, some of those resources that you can then start making your own decisions and say, okay, well, why do you trust them? You right. know, who are they? Yeah. A- and then, and then ultimately, you know, it's that type of dating that has to occur and you have to see whether or not this is the right person for you. And there's no rule that says you can't change, but you interview people. Yeah. You interview people and you see whether or not you have good synergy with them because mm-hmm. it is a, a collaborative type of yeah. Uh, relationship. It's not. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not like okay, this is the product. This is what I got. It's hot. You got to buy it now. Right. It's more about it's planning. It's mm-hmm. it's how do you take this and evolve over time? And I think that you know finding an individual. There's lots of different places to go online that don't really have reviews, but you know you'll be able to see whether or not a certain office or a certain firm or a certain place has reputable people. Mm-hmm. What they're involved with. You get to read bios. You'll read all the different things that they have um, going for them. And then ultimately, it's just word of mouth too. Really. Yeah. Word of mouth is really how me and my business prefer to work um, because we work with like-minded individuals who 
are looking for our advice. Right. It's like anything with parenting, right? It's a lot of work up front, mm-hmm. um, and it's a lot of time, and it's a lot of effort, but it really will pay for itself in the long run. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But Aaron's right. It's very overwhelming. You're in a vulnerable place, especially if people who've had, you know, a huge financial disasters during COVID. Right. You sure. know what I mean? With job, multiple job losses and, sure. you know, family situations changing, mm-hmm. people moving. You're in a really vulnerable position, and you need to trust. You need to be able to say, mm-hmm. okay, what are your credentials, and can I trust you right. with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, um, there's no... There's no rule. It's a feeling. You have to know whether or not you really have a good rapport with somebody because ultimately this is someone that you're going to call when you have a question, when you have a crisis, and someone who's going to hold your hand in probably the worst moment too. So, you know, someone who's more comprehensive, um, I think is always usually a a good idea. Not someone who just manages money, not someone who just does insurance. Right. You want to find someone who's more comprehensive who could probably look at your whole situation. But, you know, again, every person is going to be different. There's no best quality Mm. that I could probably think of. Right. um, But as long as they're responsible, communicative and they know what they're doing right (laughs) right. so I mean (laughs) how do you gauge that you you really don't know stepping right in yeah but go slowly anybody who tries to rush you through a process probably doesn't have your best interests right that's good advice before we let you go Mm -hmm. I just want to ask you to please tell our listeners about how their newly working children should get Roth IRAs so the the Roth IRA is a very powerful instrument Um, I'll explain a little bit just first what it is it's in a retirement account that is after after tax contributions, which means you pay the tax up front, mm-hmm. which then leads to the benefit of it being tax-free in retirement. Mm-hmm. And if you hold the account for at least five years, then the earnings and all the interest earned inside the account is also tax-free upon withdrawal. So at an early age, you have the opportunity that if you have a working child to establish or help them establish a Roth IRA for themselves. And it creates this tax-free bucket of money mm-hmm. that will grow for the next 40, 50 years and ultimately deliver tax-free dollars for them in retirement. Wow. So there's just a powerful, um, you know, moment where they say, okay, I have this tax-free money Mm -hmm. available to me. And sometimes, hopefully, they'll be successful enough that in the future, Mm -hmm. they can't contribute to a Roth IRA because a Roth IRA does have an income limitation as far as whether or not you you can contribute. But as long as they continue to contribute until that time comes, yeah. they're going to have a nice amount of money there. And that's also a good opportunity, too, for parents who are financially set because they did everything we talked about before to, like, mm-hmm. maybe match the, uh, the money yeah. getting put in, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a great incentive. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, my own story is that my father, when I was 16, did that same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opened up a, a Roth IRA for me or with me. Um, and he said to me, he's like, okay, keep your summer job money, but I'm going to match it and got me started. Yeah. And that felt really good. Um, and then every month, a- every year after that, when I had earned income, I would make a small contribution towards it. Right. And now, you know, here we are, it's 18, 19, 20 years later. Yeah. And, and I've, we've, it's got, it got a nice amount of money in it. Is there a minimum to open and contribute for those? Um, usually no. Um, usually may- if there is, maybe it's like $500. Hmm. Um, but, you know, that each different type of account or brokerage account, depending on what you open, has will have its own limitation. I think that's such great advice. Yeah, yeah. I would never have known that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that just, it's starting early. Right. Leads to compounding and exponential success down the road. It's right. Ti- time in, not timing. Mm-hmm. So. 
I think it's hard to impress upon 18-year-olds or 16-year-olds that one day you're going to be old <laughs> and that this money will really be helpful. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. Um, but if you're laying the groundwork early enough, I think you could probably get through to them. Yeah, uh, so this is like the balance between, you know, we talked in the, in the first episode <laughs> about, about how short-term goals, savings goals are important. Mm-hmm. This is the transition to that long-term goal. Right. And using retirement as an instrument is very good because usually as they're at that age, as their kids are at the approaching that age, 16, 18 years old, mm-hmm. what's on our forefront of our minds? Right. Retirement. Yeah. So they know that we're stressing about it and our, right. our anxiety levels are up about it. Uh-huh. So it's fresh in their mind and they know that this is an opportunity This is an opportunity. Yeah. to really start planning for themselves. Yeah, and to do it differently and better. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. So I guess it's a good idea then not just to do like the short-term goals, but maybe to have intermediate and long-term goals, introduce those to young children as well. Well, I think so as... So they get a sense of maybe like time, like mm. we're going to save for a vacation, but it's going to be like next year, or we're going right. to like do something, you know what I mean? Like a set goals of different time lengths so that they kind of... Well, right. So so that's a great, that's a great, great, great idea. I mean... Um, parents today usually aren't uh, transparent about what they're trying to do with their goals. Right. But if you say to a child, we're saving for a vacation, but it's not this year's vacation, it's next year's vacation already, Yeah. then they understand that concept. Right. And then that becomes, like you said, an intermediate goal. And you say, look, I also have this account. Like, share these and share these moments with your children, right? So that you can say, okay, I have this retirement account at work, all right, and this is what it does. It yeah. saves from retirement. I can't touch it until I'm X age, till I'm fifty nine and a half, right? But it's there for me, you know. So and and you know, you would you would be surprised by how sponge like our kids are. It's so true, especially if you're transparent. Because if you think about it, if you're hiding your struggles, then how would they ever learn from them? You it know? is amazing when you think of every generation, like. My parents would never have asked their parents about anything to do with their finances. No. Like, they were not involved in any of that until end-of-life care or wills. And it was just, I would never have dreamt of asking. Mm -hmm. My parents maybe were a little bit more transparent Mm -hmm. with their stuff, not necessarily with, you know, the household budgeting and, and, you know, sometimes with goals, like, oh, we got to get a car, we got to get furnace or whatever it is like some financial goals we were kind of let in on but really it was like a big mystery what was happening Mm -hmm. financially behind the scenes and yet my daughter all the time I'm like spouting things off like you know this is stressing me out or I got a plan for this or we Uh can do this for you and right you know she's like overly involved she's like I don't want to hear it anymore (laughs) this too is like the difference (laughs) in generations like so so like our grandparents age Mm -hmm. had pension and social security that was it you know they didn't have all these other accounts these Mm -hmm. didn't exist yeah. Um, but now, you know, in our parents' generation where they didn't work for the same company mm-hmm. for, for 30 or 40 years and get the gold watch and the pension, mm-hmm. you know, they have these other assets that now have to be coordinated and managed. Right. So now if you look at that then compared to our lives, yeah. <laughs> which is more stressful and we have more expenses than even they did yes. because our cell phones didn't exist, cable television didn't exist, and mm-hmm. internet didn't exist back yeah. when, that, when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a gap now again between what we're doing and our children are doing. Right. So there's there's a lot to be said about that transparency and being forward with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a hopefully huge learning curve for our generation. Oh yeah, yeah everything yeah. is a huge yeah. learning curve for yeah. our generation. Yeah. So it's just it's just that sharing of information yeah. that I think will ultimately, like we said, is is hard to start, but yeah. ultimately in the long run, yeah. you'll be so much richer. For it in so many ways. That's right. Gets you where you want to go. Yeah. Amazing. Jonathan, thank you again for joining oh, us. This has been my pleasure. It's oh, been great. So great. So one more time, Jonathan is a field director, financial advisor for Allied Wealth Partners. They're located 
at 50 Charles Lindbergh Boulevard, Suite 420 in Uniondale, New York, 11553. Jonathan is just going to run us through so a quick financial disclosures, really. Uh, security is offered through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, doing businesses in California as CFGAN Insurance Agency, LLC. California license number 0644976, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Satara Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. My California insurance license number 1982528 and my phone number 516-705-9800. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risk charges, and expenses associated with mutual fund securities before investing. This information is found in the issuer's official statement and should be read carefully before investing. Investors should also consider whether the investor's or beneficiary's home state offers any state tax or other benefits available only from that state's 529 plan. Any state-based benefit should be one of many appropriately weighted factors in making an investment decision. The investor should consult their financial or tax advisor before investing in any state's 529 plan. If you liked our podcast today, please let your friends and family know. And us, we would really love to hear from you with your thoughts on upcoming topics or just general feedback. Uh, we want to know what you think. So you can email us at podcast at pmlib.org. Also, please visit our website at adventuresinparentingpml.podbean.com. You can find a resource guide for today's episode and previous episodes if you'd like to little, dig a little deeper into any of our topics. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you.